We're so grateful that you have drawn us to partake of your eternal goodness. And Lord, as we commune ourselves around the word, may it speak to our heart. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. For thy word have we hidden in our heart that we may not sin against thee. Thy word has been a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. For thy word is sweet, sweeter than a honeycomb. For you have shown us the paths of life according to the truth of your word. And so we want you to know we delight. We delight in your word. For in it, dear God, it has shown us the way of life. And so we pray that the Spirit would breathe on the Word. And the seed of faith would be placed in our heart that heaven may open in this house today. And that the Lord would create opportunities for His people. Father, we honor you. And we are so thankful that your word is true. And this Christ moves through the parameters of his word. We bless you and we honor you. And it's in the blessed name of the Lord, our Christ, the Lord's people said amen. Amen. And amen. Come on, you do better than that. Amen. (laughs) Blessed be his name. For the Lord our God is wonderful. I just wanted to say thank you first of all. For coming to church. I want to thank you for loving Jesus. And before I celebrate my friends. I just wanted to echo what. Becca. What Kelly has said. What Felix has said. Just about appreciating. The jewel that you have. I know sometimes. You can become so close to people. And familiarity just. Begins to just breed a lack of value and a lack of worth that you can see in someone. But I want to encourage you. There's a beautiful, beautiful statement that was made in in Second Samuel chapter 18, I think, when Absalom had revolted and David had turned his men loose to go into a civil war. Last thing that he wanted. And David was the king, and he told his men, "I will surely go out to battle with you." His men rose up and says, oh, no, you are worth 10,000 of us. Such a beautiful statement. You got to know who's saying that. The men that said that came to him in distress and in debt. But after years of David investing his life into him, there was spiritual growth that was undeniable in their life. And because of his presence in their life, they had become trusted advisors to the wise King David. They had become warriors by which David could win battles through by the grace that was upon their life. And so they understood the value of David's presence in their life. And, And I pray, I pray this morning that the jewel that the Lord has set in the midst of you, I would pray. And I'm not naive enough to think that's everybody in here. 
But I do know that there are men and there are women in this house that because of their presence, your life is better. Because of your, their presence, you're a better mother. You're a better father. God has, by the presence of his presence in their life, caused you to become better. Their life has complimented you. And so I pray that as we embark upon this great honor, that you would remember that of what God has invested in your life by giving to you a pastor leadership and callership and a Felix and a Becca. So we, and Jeff Lee and Tammy, you guys have jewels over here. Your pastor has pastored many churches from afar. I am one of those. Uh, he has been a trusted friend, extremely loyal, a man with no agenda other than wanting to see people thrive in Christ. I have never have had my eyes closed to anybody I've had the privilege of being around. Scripture says, be wise as a serpent and humble as a dove. And any person that the Lord has ever allowed me to be around, I first consider it an honor. Now, I've watched your pastor. I've watched him when he didn't think I was watching. Not to pick him apart, but people learn best when they're not under tension. We want to see raw pictures of what's in a man. Now, I have come to the conclusion that your pastor has a pure heart. And I'm not saying that because I'm standing in his pulpit. I'm saying that because I believe that about him. And so I pray that you see, and I know you do, that you see what so many of us see. I know sometimes the children of the house can be difficult. Amen. But I pray you see it, and I pray that you would take the opportunity to honor your pastor. He is a friend. Uh, he's a pastor to pastors, um, and he's a blessed brother. He and Sister Callership, and I can tell you that I am, Mary and I are extremely thankful having them in our life uh, I want to also celebrate you because you people have been models to so many of what the New Testament church is supposed to look like a people that love one another a people that invest in one another who genuinely care for one another and so that is looked upon some up close and some look at a distance but I want to celebrate you today because there's a Christ that lives in you that is alive and he is bringing forth his testimonies through his church. And so God bless you so much for loving one another. Thank you. I'm glad that my wife is here, Mary. That's my sweetness. That's my girlfriend. That's my sweetness. That's my goodness. And I'm grateful to God for that. Um, I want to jump into the word this morning. And I just want to. God's word is just precious to us people. You know it. for You have been the recipients of the Lord's salvation. In Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. There's this umbrella theme that speaks about the, the magnitude of God's love. And I'm always so impressed 
about the magnitude and the depths of God's love. And, and the things that God will go through to wrap his arms around us. Every one of us could have been put in a devil's hell. Our hands were already caught in the cookie jar. The scripture says that in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. And this beautiful statement in 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of God full of grace and truth. We couldn't get to God. So God came to us. And with the zeal, with the determination that he has moved through the earth with. To redeem men by his grace. Before the windows of opportunity fade. No man will be able to stand before God and say, you did not make attempt to bring me into your eternal kingdom. For the Lord has worked ever since the beginning of time. To bring men into the kingdom of God. It is a blatant attempt on man. If he goes to hell. It was his choice to go to hell. Because grace is available for all men to come to the saving knowledge of this beautiful Christ that we love and serve. And lifted our hands towards this morning and opened our mouths toward with adoration and praise and thanksgiving. Because he is worthy of it all as we've sung this morning. The God we serve is worthy of it all. Of it all. Of it all. And oh, I'm so thankful today. And in 1997, he snatched me by his grace and gave me a new heart. And ever since then, he's been keeping me by God's eternal grace. Look in the scriptures with me this morning in Acts chapter 13. We will use 1 through 3 as our backdrop. But we will read from verses 5 all the way down to verse 12. Are you with me? The scripture says in verse 5, it says, And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. And they had also John to their ministry. And when they had gone through the isle of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Borgesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and saw and desired to hear the word of God. But Elamus the sorcerer, for so is his name, by interpretation, withstood them seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. Or you can imagine that scene, can't you? And said, O fool of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, will thou not cease to pervert the righteous ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. That's grace. Could have blinded him forever. But maybe, maybe, his own temporal blindness on the road to Damascus had such tempered him with a grace, he understood the, the impact that his temporary blindness, what it made on his life, maybe. That's his inspiration. When you receive mercy, you give mercy. Oh, it's so good never to forget where you came from. 
It's so good to never forget where God got you from. This was a man that was once blinded by deception himself. So he looks at him through eyes of mercy and says, God, temporarily blind him, but not forever. Thanks be unto God that he doesn't give us what we deserve. He says this in verse 12. He says, he says, there the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Father, this morning, thank you so much. For the story of redemption. Thank you so much for the power and the presence of Jesus. And for your love. Father minister to us today. And let your grace be so sufficient in our, in our hearing today. That it stirs our hearts to love, celebrate, honor, and worship you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen and amen. Uh, it's, it never amazes me guys of the, the magnitude that God has as regards his love towards us. He's an eternal God and he is so in pursuit of, of our hearts that he gives us the grace that we need and he brings salvation into our life through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. The setting in which we look at today is the setting is the church of Antioch. Antioch was a church that was predominantly a Gentile church. It was a church that revival had broke out in this church. And why had revival broke out? Because it was the will of God for revival to break out in this church. Remember the word of God. He said that you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Samaria, in Judea, and to the entirety of the world. But the church began to settle in idleness. It was almost like inertia. You know them little spinning tops we used to have? It's spinning, it just spin in one place. So God was saying persecution to birth them out into the territories in which he had ordained because God watches over his word to perform his word over our life. Thanks be unto God that it is he who watches over his word because you know, as I know, we can at times sit real dormant and settle in places that God has called us to be more effective in. So he takes his persecutions and launches us out. And it was a church that it was predominantly a Gentile church. It was a church that wasn't plagued with a whole lot of traditions like the early church, Jerusalem church. Where times would argue and fuss over customs, which way it's going to go. But this was a church that had just been saved out of all type of cultural backgrounds. God didn't have to unsave them before saving them. They didn't have a whole lot of religion in them. They just went from straight sinners to straight saved. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. They just straight sinners. Whatever the issue was, they just came from being completely transformed by the power of the Spirit of God and began to run hard for Jesus. And all God had to do now was begin to build on a foundation that had already been laid. And that foundation was Christ. This was the church in which we are looking at today. They were different. They didn't care about the rules and the, and the traditions of anything. This were people that just wanted Jesus and God was leading these people. They were on fire by the Holy Ghost of God. They were submissive, spirit-led people and God just was making something out of them. Which allows us to see from verse 1 to verse 4 what we're looking at. From verse 1 to verse 4, these were leadership that got together just to pray. The scripture said that they got together just to minister. Unto the Lord. 
The word implies that they had no agenda. It implies that they, they, they weren't looking for anything from God. You ever heard people say that, that, that people are going to do what they won't do? You didn't say that about people your own self, right? Come on, talk to me this morning. You didn't say that about people. Them people just going to do it. And oftentimes it's with a flippant attitude, ain't it? They're going to just, let's be real this morning, church folk. Come on. Then people are going to do what they won't do anyway, right? But, but you can see, you can see that these were men that were extremely passionate. And, and when you look at passion, will is the handmaid to passion. And folk going to do what they won't do. Because what you're passionate about is what you will to do. All they wanted to do was be with Jesus. And because there was such a passion and a love and their heart for the God that had saved their soul. What they willed to do was to open their hearts and be able to express their love to Jesus. One of the greatest things that we have as born again believers is to be able to express our love for Jesus. David sat in his house, sat in his house and says, man, I'm sitting in this amazing palace. But the, but the ark of God is just sitting there. I want to build God a house. What? Where would a statement like that come from? That a man would say, I want to build God a house. What David was simply saying was, this is my expression towards my love for you. And that's the joy that we have as born again believers. It's not just merely for God to express his love toward us, but for us to express our love back to him. It's a relationship. That we stand and have ourselves in. That's why it's not a hard thing for to say, thank you, Jesus. It's not a hard thing for tears to scream down our face as we live in the reality of what the Lord has done for us. We ought not always be pushed into the presence of God behind trouble and problems and circumstances and my kids this, my kids that. No ma'am and no sir. Sometimes we just ought to be ushered into the presence of God simply because of our love for God. And nothing else. Other than I will love for God. There were no problems in the church of Antioch. Church wouldn't been to fall to pieces. It was just simply one's love for God. And let me tell you, if the spirit of God can get the leadership of a church. If the leadership of a church can love the Lord to that magnitude. I just want to be with God. And as they got together, the heart of the spirit opened up. Because Jesus said in his word that I no longer call you servants. He said, but I call you my friends. And when one comes before the Lord with just a desire to want to know what is the heart of the Lord. I just want to put my my ear to your heart. And I want to know what your will is. The Holy Spirit opened up another assignment to them. And said, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work wherein I have called them to. You can see how God opens up his will to us. The scripture says in Psalms that the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And he will reveal his promises to them. People, we have access We have access that God wants us to know his will just as much as we want to know God's will. But you can see what drives us into the presence of God is a mere love for God. 
Oh, I pray at First New Testament that there is a thriving and a passionate love that you have in your heart for Jesus to where his Holy Spirit begins to re- reveal the depths of his eternal will to God's people and with a passion and with an intensity of the heart that when we know God's will, we run with a glorious fever to the glorious and the goodness of God's eternal grace. Why? Because we are a people that have been set apart for the use of God who our lives have been reserved only for the goodness of God and I pray this morning by the grace of almighty God God wants you to know his will just as bad as you want to know his will he wants to fill you up with good things he wants to use your life for his own eternal glory and I pray that we would set our ear against the bosom of Jesus that we might hear what Paul says through his eternal heart come on somebody now look the, the, the first thing that they did was they leave from God's presence. Didn't seem like there was any hesitation at all once they knew exactly what God's will is. Like immediate obedience. And the moment that they knew what God's will was, the Bible says that they made it to the synagogue of the Jews where they began to preach the word of God. Oh my Lord, what a joy. What a joy to be so mission driven. What a joy to know the objective of one's life. What what a joy for Paul, to, which was his custom. He always went to the Jews and preached first because he was a Jew. He was redeeming the time. He knew he had an open door to preach the gospel to the Jews. Oh, I would pray this morning that you yourself, if the scripture says that we should redeem the time for the night drawed nigh where no man would ever be able for to preach this gospel. I pray with the time and the span of time that God has given to all of us every opportunity of influence that the spirit will give to you you would take it with a hastiness knowing that there is a night that is coming upon this entire world and the word of god must be preached to the entirety of every single person you know your children preach the gospel to them your wife preach the gospel to her your husband preach the gospel the schools that you're in preach the gospel to them it don't matter who you standing in front If the Lord has opened the door and given to you an influence and a platform to stand on, you ought to hurl the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They only wanted them for to know one thing. They only wanted them to know that the Lord loved them. And that the Lord wasn't mad at nobody. They wanted them for to know that, that God had a hand that was extended with grace and mercy to them that were far from him. They wanted them to know of the blood of Jesus that was able to save a sin-sick soul. They wanted them to know that for believers that this Christ was able to sanctify them through the power of his Holy Ghost. He wanted them to know that the Spirit of God was able to feel every ounce of insecurity that plagues the human race. They just wanted to stand up and preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something that I'm excited about? I'm excited that I don't have to wonder what my purpose in life is. I'm so thankful that I don't have to take my life and separate it into two, three, three, four, five different things. I'm going to preach Jesus to my kids. I'm going to preach Jesus to my wife. I'm not confused when God said, Shedrick, I'm going to give you a wife. I already knew what my purpose was. 
to bring glory to Jesus in my marriage. I already knew when God trusted us with four kids. I already knew what God's purpose was in doing that. To bring glory to Jesus' name. These were all platforms that the Lord had given to us. And the platforms in which the Lord gives to a person ain't but one objective and one agenda in that. It's to bring glory to Jesus' name. It's not us trying to get where we got to go for to bring glory to Jesus. No, it's giving glory to Jesus right where you're at. So oftentimes, man, we're trying to get somewhere. I'm, when I get there, I'm going to bring glory to Jesus' name. No, ma'am. No, sir. Right where you're at. Lift up the name of Jesus. Bring glory to his name. Make a whole lot of his name. You're on somebody's job, bring glory to Jesus' name. Whatever sphere of influence the Lord will give to you, you ought to know why you exist. And you ought to know why you live in that hour. You live in that hour so that the Lord may be glorified and that his name might be magnified in all the earth. For the Bible says that one day the whole earth will be filled with the glory of God. Oh, I would pray that from your own lives, the containers of God's grace that you have within you, your life is being wrung for the glory of God. I pray that you would say that every opportunity the Lord has given to me, I'm allowing him to ring my life for his glory. Can you say that this morning, church, through the observation of the spirit of God in your life, every opportunity that he gives you, you're allowing his name to be glorified through the spheres of influence that you have in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Now notice this, notice this in, in, in verse six, notice this, it says this, it says, and when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Boy Jesus. Can I tell you, just because you feel with the Holy Ghost, speaking tongues, led by the Spirit, does not mean you will not face opposition. It does not mean you will not run into opposition. The scriptures are very plain. It was for this reason that they would overcome the opposition. You can't run from it, but it was through this reason that they would overcome the opposition that they would face. Remember, whatever opposition that you face, you're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from a platform of victory because it's already been won in Christ. You, you, might, be, you might be facing opposition today. I'm telling you, you ain't got the, you ain't got the fight for it. Because you stand from a position of victory through Christ Jesus. So as we watch this roll out, we already see that it's the grace and the power of the spirit. And you see verse 1 through verse 4 has already set the tone that they are equipped for whatever hell they're going to go through. Whatever afflictions and complications and difficulties that they're going to go through. You will know that the spirit of God rests upon your life because whatever opposition comes against you, it will fall by the grace and the power of the Holy Ghost of God that is in you. Now, notice this. Boy, Jesus is an imposter. He's a pretender. He's an opponent of Christ. He's a person that would want you for to think his intentions are good. But his intentions are evil. They are to hinder one from making the next step of faith. It's one that is out the will of God. And what we find out in this is, is, boy, Jesus appears to be a blessing. But he is a hindering spirit that hinders the work of God or keeps one from taking the next step of faith. But we should remember we aren't fighting from a place of, from a, we're fighting from a place of victory. Now, think about this. 
They had seen the Holy Ghost. They'd been with God. And the Bible says that they discerned Lord Jesus. They found Lord Jesus. You realize before the apostles got there, those people's lives were plagued with darkness. But because of the light of the gospel, that, that light now was being exposed, that wickedness was being exposed. Only because of the light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. John 1, 5 says the light shine in darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The Holy Ghost reacts to all unholiness. Anything that is within the heart, not only of the Lord Jesus, but anything within our own hearts that contends with Christ, the Spirit of God will expose that in the heart of a child of God. It's only the Holy Ghost that shines the light in dark places of the heart and says, I want to remove this from your life. And I want to remove that from your life. I want to check your motives to see if your motives really be of the Lord. I want to move this from your life. I want to remove that from your life. When the Spirit of God comes to live in a person, he will go after every single thing that does not look like Jesus, does not sound like Jesus, does not act like Jesus. But apart from that, we have no way of knowing. I got saved one night and the next thing I know, the Spirit of God just was pointing out things in my life. That the day before that, I didn't think much was wrong with cussing. I didn't think much was wrong with a cuss word. You know, I didn't think nothing was wrong with that. They say a little white lie. I found the Holy Ghost wouldn't let me get away with nothing. <laughs> I found out wandering eyes was of the devil. I walked around for a whole year with my eyes to the ground because I was, had cut a covenant. That I wasn't going to look upon any woman in a perverse way. Now, how, how would that happen? Because the spirit of God that was living in me has shined the light in places of the heart by which contended with Christ in one's life. Oh, how desperately do we need this life of the spirit in our hearts and in our life? Because things are tucked away and things are hidden unless the spirit of God comes into a thing. Things will stay the way they are forever. But when, when those apostles stepped into that city, the light of the gospel stepped into that city. And something that people had been suppressed by, oppressed by, under the deception of for the longest, a lying, deceitful spirit, a manipulative spirit, were they under the arrest of, were they subject to. But that day when the gospel came in, God, by the power of the Holy Ghost, exposed that lying thing. He does the same thing in our hearts. He reveals things to you that you would not know apart from him. He shows you things about you that you never would have thought. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about the boy Jesuses in one's life. Things that we might even think to be innocent. But the Spirit of God points it out. He puts his finger on it. And he don't lift his finger off of it because he ain't scared of us. Let me tell you something. I thank God 
that I serve a God that ain't scared of me. When I, when I was on my job, they had seven, seven dudes trying to, trying to win me to Jesus. All of them look just like me. I'm mad, cussing, fussing, and everything else. But they're trying to witness to me. And I'm thinking, man, you guys look just like me. Like, there was one guy, he would preach Jesus to me. Red hair, blue eyes. Marvin Smith. And man, that man would preach Jesus to me and love on me. I saw nothing but Jesus in his life. And I would start saying to myself, if I was going to be like anybody, I won't be like Marvin Smith. But what I was really saying was, I won't be like Jesus. Because that's, that's what I saw in his life. But the other seven guys... Man, one day I think, man, you know what? You dudes, y'all look just like me. I'm mad and cussing and fussing. And y'all trying to recruit me to come to y'all church. But don't look like y'all got big enough to change y'all. See, I want a God that's big. And a God that has the power to change me. A God that has the power to expose awful things about me. God's word is sharper than a two-edged sword, for it cuts down to the joint, the bone, and the marrow of the soul. It is a discerner of the heart. I need a God that'll dig into me and get in my face and jam me up and say, this in your heart is hindering me from what I want to do in your life. Now, what are you going to do about that? Come on, somebody. Can I tell you something? I remember, I remember Christy, I was driving home on LA1 and I was saved and I was drinking. I know some of y'all ain't used to that, but it's true. It's true about some of you in this church. Hey. Remember, God ain't scared of you. Exposure is part of deliverance. Come on, come on, come on. That was patty caking. Y'all patty caking. I know, I know Pastor Lee Ship charged y'all better than that. Exposure is part of deliverance. And I'm driving home from LA1, and man, the Spirit of God put his finger on my drinking. He just kept it there. Yep, ouch. So I'm, 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 I'm conversating with God, and I said, well, I said, well, what's wrong with drinking one beer? With a small, tender voice. He said, how many times have you drank one beer? I started weeping. Because I'm, I'm having a conversation with God. And I'm, 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 I'm I'm protecting my sin. And I got home and, and I opened my Bible and fell over Matthew chapter 6. A, a soft answer. It says, uh, if your left eye calls you to sing, gouge it out. It's better be in heaven with one eye. I've been here with two. I slammed it and I pushed it away. I said, I can't keep that. I, I said, that Bible is of such high demand. I can't keep that. And he said, I know. I know. Let me keep it through you. I'm not asking you to keep it. I'm asking you. You can't keep it. I'm showing you it's way bigger than you. But I got to bring you to the place the way you come to the end of yourself to realize in your weakness, I'll become your strength. So I'm not asking you to keep anything that belongs to me. But I'm showing you this. This is a way bigger than human ability. I just want your heart. Let me work through you. And if, if God, God, if the Lord will expose something such as that in the heart and that heart will come in agreement with God, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to be waving that thing goodbye. 
I'm talking about unless the Holy Spirit shines the light on a thing, people live in darkness forever. People make excuses forever. They use other people as their reason. They say this and they say that. But when the Spirit gets a hold, he strips away every possible excuse that one could have. Because all he's looking for is a surrender of the heart. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this in verse 7 and verse 8. We get to see the battle of the mind. Look at the battle of the mind. It says, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, an educated man, who called for Barnabas and saw and desired to hear the word of God. But Elamus, you start seeing the nature of Elamus. He's a contender of the faith. He's an opponent of the faith. For so is his name by interpretation, which stood them seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. So you see this hindering spirit that doesn't want one to take the next step toward Jesus. And you need the power of the Spirit for that bondage to be broke. No man, no human being can be loose from the grip of any bondage apart from the Holy Ghost. It cannot be a strong will. There are many that you just think you got a strong will. Oh, if I wanted to. I beg to differ. I would think that if you really wanted to, I would think if you had the power, you would have, you would have been stepped away from that. But when it comes down to a bondage and powers of darkness, saints, when the enemy introduces darkness, can I talk to my, can I tell you about myself? The enemy has a way, man, of, of, of he, he can introduce you to something, a power of darkness, and just keep one issue lead to another issue. One sin lead to another sin, right? And before you know it, you, you're so deep in it, it's like a maze. Once you do find yourself under the arrest of it and you wake up and say, oh, my God, what have I made of my life? How am I going to get out of this? You're so deep in it's a maze now. You wouldn't know which way to get out if you thought you knew. And the only thing you can do from that is say, Lord, I need deliverance in my life. Come on, somebody. You see the battle of the mind that every time Paul would preach Jesus, it's a possibility that surges Paul's heart would begin to turn or soften. Then, boy, Jesus would see that. And what boy Jesus would do was throw a lie out there for to turn his heart this way. See, that's how, that's, how, that's how the powers of hell are operating. Truth is prevailing, but the next thing you know, the enemy throws a lie out there. In, in whatever it might be, but you can see that there is a battle that's taking place in the realm of the spirit. For one's life. This is a battle. And the Bible is very clear. That the weapons of our warfare. Are not carnal. 
but they are mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds. Every time the Holy Ghost speaks to your heart, and that heart is tenderized, you can best believe they got a devil going to throw a lie right back out there. Because the last thing that devil wants to do, there's a, there's a scripture in Isaiah that says that Satan never lets his captives go. But Jesus, if this gospel is preached and the life of this gospel is preached, just a flicker of it in the heart of a, of a soul will turn one to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why it's so very important for us to preach and not stop preaching. Because the word of God is life. The word of God is liberation. The word of God is freedom. You never know what God is doing in the heart of the people you're around every single day. You never know what God is doing in the heart for your children that say, stop preaching to me, mom. Stop preaching to me, daddy. God's word never returns void. It don't matter what they face. It don't matter what rebellion you might see in front of your face. Keep preaching. My son used to tell me when he was away from God, that's why you always got to preach to me. Because that's what I am. And that's what I'm going to be. Why we can't just be best friends, Dad? Because if you were my best friend, I'd beat you up. I would hurt you. You want to let me be your daddy first. Because that's what God put in my life to be for you first. And wherever it go from there, then let, let it be. But we're going to first establish this. And then let God be God. Come on, somebody. It's a battle. It's a battle of the mind. The word turn that simply means to distort, to twist, reverse. Misinterpret. Perverse. Avoid. Turn back again. When the truth is sown, saints, it's always counter with a liar. That's how the enemy got Eve. She knew what the word of God said. She knew what it said. And God, the Satan would come right there and say, yeah, but. But. And the next thing you know, he kept sowing them lies. And, 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 and she kept on taking them in. And the next thing you know, her worldview changed. All because of lies being sown into that heart. She saw the tree that it was forbidden. Don't touch the tree. Lies kept being spoken. Her whole perception of it. She saw that it was good for food. You believe in a lie now. You believe a lie now. Don't you never let a devil make you think. That your son's so far out of the scope of God that he can't do nothing with him. That devil's showing a lie. You got a lie now. That the devil making you think my marriage over with. I can't do nothing with this no more. The devil making you believe a lie. Ain't nothing too hard for this living God that you serve. Not one single thing. If God be for you, who? Who can be against you? Either the word of God is true or either the word of God is not true. And we know the word of God is true. 
Because it has saved our soul. It is a foundation of power that lives within our soul because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord some praise. Won't you let a devil tell you that it can't be fixed? It's beyond repair. Devil is a lie. Ain't nothing too hard for God. Come on, somebody. Come on, stop thinking, people, that Christianity is without opposition. Stop thinking that. Everything that God has for you is, is behind enemy lines. Jericho was behind enemy lines. Everything that God has for one, it must be taken by faith. For the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, but the violent take it by force. The promised land was behind enemy lines. Somehow we think in our thought process that, that like it's a bed of roses walking with God. God raising grown folk. God raising soldiers. God raising something that will stir faith in the heart. To where something has to be taken. Something has to be bound and something has to be loose. In order for something to be won for the glory of God. If you think that hell wasn't raging the day that God set out to save your life. I can promise you this. All hell broke loose when Jesus called for your life. The Bible said, for the Bible says that, that, the, that, the, that, 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 help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. Except the spirit draw a person, they can't be drawn. But, but whenever the kingdom of heaven has called for a soul to come in, all hell just broke loose. You were not just liberated without warfare. That, w- that had to take place in the realm of the... Somebody was praying for you. Somebody had to bind something. Somebody had to lose something. But there was a lot of spiritual activity that was taking place. The same way it needs to be taking place even now. If you won't see that person come to Jesus, you better get the word loving Jesus and warring a good warfare for the glory of God that we might see their lives seized by the power of the Holy Ghost in the land of the living. I won't see it now. I don't want to wait to get to heaven and say, I won't see it now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Now, not when I get to heaven. You shall see the good of the, of the Lord in the land of the living. Somebody need to take that. The attack is always saints against Christ. It's not against you. It's against Christ. Hell rages against him. These kingdoms that are warring, it's about, it's about two people, Jesus and Satan. But Satan is a defeated foe. David and Absalom is who it's about. Many people took part in it, but it boiled down to two people, David and Absalom. You take David's head off, Absalom wins. If you take Absalom's head off, David wins. This is the same war that we war. We're in Christ. And the warfare that we war is one that we get the joy of taking place and exercising and experiencing the power of God's grace, moving in faith, 
seeing things that we could not see apart from the realm of the spirit, seeing things and being a part and God being able to use our hands and use our hearts to do warfare, to push the devil's kingdom back, to put it upon our feet so that the Lord Jesus Christ alone can be glorified and prayed in the earth, not when we get together, but in the earth, all glory be unto him. Praise the Lord. 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 Look at this in verse 9 and verse 10. And we're going to be wrapping up shortly. Y'all here? Y'all getting something out of this? Not, y'all, that was two people over here that said that. 9 and 10. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled. Remember verse 1 through verse 4. Verse 1 through verse 4. They equipped. This is why they needed the Holy Ghost. In spite of the opposition that they faced, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, will thou not cease to pervert the righteous, the right ways of the Lord? And you see now, you see righteous anger. Can I tell you something? When you see Satan's grip in a life, God called men to possess. He called men to live in his image. He called men to live in the light of his glory. We are image bearers of God. And when you see how the enemy is destroying people's life with a spirit of deception, when you see how people are, lives are being ravaged under the bondages of sin, it ought to make you angry. It ought to offend you. When you see how intentional the enemy is in trying to bring a life to demise and to nothing. It is offensive to Paul because he sees this, keeping people in the bondage of sin. God is the one that has a legal claim on Sergius Paulus' life. God does. Not sin. God does. He was made in his image. He fought from God. But he was an image, he was made in the image of God. And Paul gets offended because he sees very clearly the bondage and the intent of Satan behind such a thing as this, the wickedness behind it. And he stands up and he says to him, you child of the devil. Can I tell you, saints? Some, some, sometime it's time to push back. Sometimes, sometime, it's time to push back. The kingdom of God suffered violence. And the violence taken by force. Satan ain't just letting go. Because he ain't just giving it up. No matter how full of the Holy Ghost you are. No matter how tongue-talking you are. Satan just don't lose. Something got to be snatched from him. And Jesus snatched it when he died on Calvary. But there's something about the realm of faith. Something where brokenness and humility somehow in that they just go ahead and something snaps in the realm of the spirit. Sometimes it ain't just in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I know we're in church, right? How many times you say it in Jesus' name? And it just right there. 
We have to push back. There are things and oppositions and opponents in Christ that by God's grace, you're going to have to stand fast, see God's salvation, and proclaim and stand in faith to see that thing move and to see that thing be absolutely destroyed. Because what Satan wants more than anything is for one to just lay down. But what Paul did in this situation, he rose up and he pushed back. Saints, it's time to push back. It's time to push back. You're going to have to contend for the faith. You're going to have to contend for certain things. You're going to have to contend for certain souls because Satan ain't just going to give it up. It's, it's warfare. The alcohol that you might see in people's life, you don't have a good ten for that. Yeah, I've been praying for that for, for, for 20 years, Pastor. Yeah, yeah. But it's warfare. And bondages in people's lives are real. But what we see is the power of God is even greater than such a thing as that. Are you with me? We can't just lay down, church. When God sent his church out, he sent his church out with power. We are not a weak, pitiful, pathetic, and naked church. We are a church that is filled with power, filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with gifts and discernment and understanding and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've got help from the Heavenly Father in the places in which God has called you to. For the scriptures are very plain. For the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, but the violent take it by force. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ that gives to us the strength. Hallelujah be to Jesus. Praise God. Contend for the faith. That was not going to lay down just because God is calling us. Contend for your husband. Contend for your wife. Contend for the things that the enemy is trying to come against you with. Notice this in verse 11. And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee. And thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun. For a season, and immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. A man has got to be a fool to think that he can thwart the plan of God and succeed. This man literally thought that he could stand in the sovereign will of God. Can I tell you something? The success of the wicked are short-lived. Success of the wicked. You cannot build on a foundation of deceit, lies, maliciousness, jealousy, malice, envy. You cannot build on a foundation such as that and think that that success will have some eternal value to it. That thing will end in demise. And we see that the gospel in which Paul carries within his soul, which is the gospel that you carry and I carry. He stands against this, but he sees that the, the gospel is also power. It is the power to change lives. It is the power to, to loose things. It's the power to bind things. 
He stood in this man's way. The scripture says in Romans 13 and 1, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but the power of God. Anything that contends with Jesus will be humbled. Anything. Not, on, not only in Lord Jesus' life, but anything that contends with Jesus in our own lives, God will bring it to naught. Oh, I want the Spirit to take every single thing from this life that stands in the way of my spiritual progression in Christ Jesus. Anything that stands in the way from God being glorified through this life, Father, take it out of the, take it out of the way. If you've got to bring me down, bring me down. If you've got to break my back, break my back. Because I know you are the repairer of the back. Whatever it takes for God to do what he wants to do through the person of Jesus, then let the will of God be done. Amen. I'm finna close. Scripture says this, saints, in Exodus chapter 14. It said that Moses wept and wept and wept. And God said, stop that crying and stretch your, your rod out against the Red Sea. He said, the enemies you see today, you will see no more forever. This gospel is a foundation of power. It's not just words that's tossed to and fro. It's power. That's the glorious thing that we must realize about the gospel that we have embraced. It's not just mere words of wisdom from men. It is the power of God to save. It is the power of God to break bondages. It is the power of God to break shackles. We, we tend to forget that, especially if we walk with the Lord for some length of time. We forget that it took power to bring us into the kingdom of God. That it took the power of God to change our minds and the way we thought. It took the power of God to light upon our hearts and to tenderize it. He said, the word of God, it will no longer be stony hearts. But he said that I will write my law upon a heart. He would impress his word upon our hearts by the power of his Holy Spirit. This gospel is a gospel of power. If we knew the, the extent that God went through to get us in his kingdom, the story unfolds it. That God went through all of this to get us. I don't know where he got you from. And you don't know where he got me from. But I know one thing. His love was relentless. He pursued us. He ran behind us. Some of us he got from ballrooms. Some of us he got from drug houses. Some of us he got from the most messed up situations. But God pursued us relentlessly for one reason. To love us. Not to condemn us in our sin. But to love us, this last verse says this. It said that Sergius Paulus saw what had happened to Paul Jesus and he believed. You see, the gospel is not education only. There is an intellectual part of the gospel. Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. But the gospel has its foundation in power. It took power to save. It's going to take power to bring you out. 
it's going to take power to bring you in. And I want to remind you, I want to remind you, that no matter what hell you might face, this gospel that has saved you and that is keeping you, it has not lost one ounce of its power. It has not lost one ounce of his power. The blood still works. The blood is still able to save. The blood is still capable of breaking every single thing that may need to be broken. If there's something in your way, I'm done, but I'm just like this. Boy, Jesus is in the way. Felix, come see. He in the way. Stand right here, Felix. Boy, Jesus is in the way. Sergius Paulus wants to see Jesus. Don't see Jesus. He in the way. He in the way from God's sin. God's love for him. And God saw that. And God took Sergius Paulus move. So that Sergius Paulus could see. Oh my God. You love me. You love me that that much. Nothing that stands in your way. You got things that's standing in your way that's causing you to see God's love for you. And the Spirit of God is present that you might see the ability and the capacity in which the Lord has. The scriptures are very plain and I'm done. The scripture says in Romans chapter 5, and I wanted to quote it so perfectly. Romans 5, 8 and 10 says, But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us much more than being now justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. I just want to encourage you this morning. Whatever seems to be contending with with you making the next step, remember, nothing is greater than your God. Nothing. Nothing. Whatever is in the way of you seeing the glorious things of grace that God has for you, nothing is bigger than your God. Nothing can contend with your God. Nobody needs to know anything, but one thing you need to know is nothing is bigger than your God. He loves you with an everlasting love. Stand to me and the altars are open. Father, we thank you so much this morning for the gospel of Jesus. It's not just merely education. It is power. And this morning we make ourselves available to you that Lord, you would remove possible more Jesus's things in our thought process that may hinder the next step and that the spirit of God 
would move in power, unveil your power in this house this morning. Bring freedom. Bring new dimensions of grace. For we know that people in here are not just in bondage, but people are progressive. And there's another place that you've called us to that must be taken by faith. And we know that there is opposition all around us. All of our lives have opposition. These are people of God. They love you. We love you. But there is an enemy. There's an enemy, Lord God, that hinders you. And so by the Spirit of God, may the Spirit reveal things that even we may have thought wasn't a big deal. May the Holy Spirit point it out. May he push us forward into the greater things of God where there's a greater submission and there's a greater persuasion that we have of this Christ. Oh, Jesus, you're so faithful to love us to this degree. We humble ourselves before you with an open heart that Jesus may be glorified. Thank you, Lord.